Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. We've made it to the end of another international break, and on this episode, we're going to answer the question, is Chelsea's academy now a bit too successful? As well as previewing our game against Leicester City. Now, here are your hosts, all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. The third and final international break of the year is over. We've done it. We've done it, everyone. Um, how are we celebrating? Come on, guys. What The next one starts on march 26th so we've got some time to wait if you're if you're missing it so how are you celebrating well, well first of all i'm not going to miss it um i think like the international break that's just gone is i mean the worst one ever i just felt like just dragged on and on and on but i'm going to a party tonight to celebrate so you know i'll, I'll have a drink for the international break but premier league's back chelsea back chris how are you doing my friend you know what i actually did paid no attention to this international break whatsoever. Like yeah. me too, me too. I, I, I watched nothing. Could barely mm. tell you the results. I only know the England results because you can't really avoid it. But like everything else, I really don't care. No, yeah, so, I, I didn't watch so, any of it. Though the playoffs looked fun. I think there's a draw coming up next Friday. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a few interesting fun. games. There is a few, but even so, I'm still not like that no, no, for it, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I totally understand that. Um, so before we hit the newsroom, we're going to do another round of who is that former blue. And this week it's three facts. Yes, three facts. So the first is he's a full England international and he has over 30 caps to his name. He was in the PFA 2012-2013 championship team of the season. And he's played in the Premier League for five different clubs and two different championship clubs. Now, before you think, what's that mean? No, it means that the clubs were in the league that I've just said at the time that he played for them. So, there you go. I, I doubt you're going to get any off that, if you have, fair play. Maybe. Oh, we've got a maybe. maybe. No. Maybe. Oh, no. No, am I, am I allowed to ask questions here? Like, uh, like, well, you can at the end. <laughs> okay. Okay, so no, no questions now, like, no questions not yet, about the facts. Not yet. Um, okay, all right. Chris, okay. anything? No, I really haven't got any idea, I don't think. Oh, okay. at, the minute. at the end, I think I think the other clues or first gonna ask questions. So question time. Uh we'll see how, how that plays out. Uh with that, we're gonna head straight to the newsroom and see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. Well, it's that time again. It's time to hit the uh weekly roundup as we head to the elevator of news. Several clubs have inquired about signing Christian Pulisic. Chelsea have offered £34 million for Real Madrid's Eda Militao. Chelsea are interested in signing Napoli forward Lorenzo Insigne. Thomas Tuchel did not request the signing of Saul. Chelsea did not include him in their sporting plans and his arrival was merely a favour for the players' agents. Chelsea are one of many clubs to express an interest in Angers forward Mohamed Ali Cho. Chelsea say Conor Gallagher is not for sale and they have plans to integrate him into the first team in the squad in the summer. 
Chelsea are in the strongest position to sign Juventus defender Matthias De Ligt. His agent is apparently negotiating to lower his release clause. Tor Flo will leave his position as a lone player technical coach at Chelsea at the end of 2021. And finally, Chelsea are in contact with Wesley Fofana of Leicester ahead of a potential summer transfer. So what's taken your interest there? Um, I think, the, obviously, you've got a sense about the situation, which I'm going to sort of go away from because I feel like we talk about that every single week. Um, I, I'm really interested to see how Conor Gallagher does next season or what the plans are for him next season because I've been very, very impressed with him at Crystal Palace so far. Um, I feel like he's been a really crucial part of their season. Um, he's seemingly getting better and better. Um, he's a player that gets goals from midfield, which is something we lack at the moment. Um, like I said on another part, I think he's a bit more similar to Lampard than what Mason Mount is. Mm. Um, so I think I think Conor Gallagher is more important to Chelsea going forward than I think maybe a Billy Gilmore is. Um, that might be a big shout, but I, I really like Conor Gallagher. I think if he carries on playing the way he is, I think he's going to be a crucial part to our season next season. Fair enough. Uh, Chris, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, the Gallagher situation is interesting, especially when you think about how it, like two years ago, Billy Gilmore was sort of the breakout star young player under Lampard. Everyone thought he was going to be in our midfield and putting in really good performances. And Gallagher really was having some okay loan spells in the championship, but not, I don't think anyone was talking about him being a potential Chelsea first teamer at that time. And then in a very short space of time now, he looks like he's jumped ahead of Gilmore in terms of potential first team opportunities. It'll be interesting though to see if that changes, if uh, Dean Smith plays Billy Gilmore more now. And yeah, it's all changed, isn't it? Uh, like by the end of the season, you could have Gallagher, if he carries on in the four years, and Gilmore, if he gets into the team under Dean Smith, which I think he will, because he's more of a Dean Smith sort of player, I think. Hmm. If he has a really good end to the season, I don't think we can, I don't think, though, we can get them both in. So then it will be interesting to see what does happen in that sort of situation. The, uh, I do think I do think they're different players though. I know you, you there is they are, that, yeah. But, but like, I feel like, like yeah, there's a lot of competition, like, isn't there? That's the problem. It's more like Jorginho, Kovacic, Loftus Cheek. And well that's know. what I said with Conor Gallagher, I think there's less option because he's more of a goal scoring midfielder and a box to box midfielder. I feel like there's less options there. And they've got Loftus Cheek and they've got Barkley, but you, you could argue that if Conor Gallagher has a good season this season, it'll be ahead of Barkley. And he could be at a loss the street depending on where he's going to play. Whereas, obviously, Billy Gilmore, deep line playmaker, going to be one of those two holding midfielders in that pivot. You've got Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, Loftus-Cheek, if he plays there as well. Um, so, is he's going to be more difficult to get into that that role than Conor Gallagher is in that box-to-box position, I think. So, it'll be an interesting one anyway. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I totally agree. Conor's absolutely taken the, the league by storm this season. He's been one of the standout stars of the uh, early part of the season. Um, before I bring on to my little, little small little topic, bite-sized topic, that's uh, obviously the title of the show, um, I've got to say, are you not bothered about the Saul bit that apparently we did it as a favour? That's slightly a bit, oh, I was um, like, I, 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 how true it is, we don't know, but it does make you go, oh. I, I think it hasn't worked. I, de- I definitely agree with it hasn't worked. And you can almost tell that Thomas Tuckle doesn't favour him. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily because he doesn't like Saul or he didn't want him in. I just think Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, 
all these players have just been performing better than him when they when they've had the chance. Styles came in, had a couple of games. Start over at Villa. Um, let's face it, he was shocking both times. He, he seemingly the Premier League is a bit too quick for him at the moment. Um, and lots of Sheik and Barkett have played better when they've been playing for us. So you can't really knock that. Um, in hindsight, should we have signed him? Maybe not. But you you just don't know if it was Tuchel's decision or whether he wanted him or not. So it's just rumour, really. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, go on, Chris. Well, I do think it's, regardless of who signed him or why we signed him, I, it has still helped with that squad depth. That mm. we've, Because so far, we've been relatively lucky injury-wise in, in midfield areas. We've been unlucky with the Lukaku and Werner one. But in midfield, really, we haven't had that many long-term injuries. Kante keeps getting injured every now and again. But... So he, he, he has still helped with that. I think, I don't know. I think it's one of them where, from a business point of view, if you're signing players for a favour, it's not ideal. But if if it's a favour to an agent who's going to help you get a main transfer target next summer, two years' time, then maybe it is worth it. That's how, that's how business works now, isn't it? It's about greasing mm-hmm. the parts of the right people. And if if this same agent represents, I don't know, and someone like Erling Haaland, I know it's not the same, agent but like that someone who we're going to go after we're planning to go after and we're improving that relationship there then it's only going to help us i just quickly googled um his agent it's apparently a jonathan barnett and he just so just says in his wiki page controversy in 2006 he was banned by the fa for 12 months and fined a hundred thousand pounds for arranging secret rendezvous between his clients ashley cole and chelsea football club (laughs) (laughs) oh oh dear we all remember that um now, obviously, since it's the international break, I thought I'd bring this question up for a brief discussion, just so obviously the listeners have some content to break down. Of course, we, the debate with us, um, but also for the guys to debate. Now, I put this out on our own Twitter account the other week, and that was, is Chelsea's academy now a bit too successful? Um, the thoughts behind this were purely because we've got Livramento, Gallagher, Lamptey, Gui, Tamori, Gilmore, Colwell, and as well as Bayern player Mazzala. Uh, it's a lot of names. Um, they're all playing for other clubs, obviously, or they're out on loan due to having their own sort of pathways, you could say, blocked by other players. What are your thoughts? It's a, I know it's a bit of a hyperbole question. It's a bit of a silly one. But what do you think? Is our academy that good that we're going to start to lose good players? In my opinion, and I've, I've thought this for a while, and I think I mentioned it briefly before, our academy is not seen as a sporting ground. It's seen as a business. If we can make money off those players, then brilliant. You can never be too successful in that, that aspect. Equally, if they come in for the first team and they do really well there, that's also a win-win situation. So for me, I don't think you can have, ever have too much success. Yes, you could have, say, Livermento goes on a free or whatever. Lamptey goes on a free or you're selling for like 10 million, 15 million cut price fee, whatever. But even then, you're still making money on them. You'll get some that, like I said, just go on a free and they do well, but that, that's one or two. It's not loads. Um, you're still making money on someone else. So for me, I don't think it ever will be too successful. I think we've got one of the best academies in the world. Um, and I think we've got one of the best owners in the world. Um, so I don't think we'll ever have been in that situation where our academy is too successful, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, what were you thinking, Chris? Uh, well, I think. I understand the point that you're trying to make that the more good players you produce, the likelihood that you're going to lose good players increases. Yeah, but, of course. I mean, 
that is the that is the job of an academy and mm-hmm. i think my argument with academies has always been academy coaches jobs their entire role is to make sure these young players have a career in professional football it's not people get confused and think it's all about making players to play in your first team and it really isn't i've been around the academy process and it's not about that at all there's actually very little talk about the first team um until you start getting to sort of 16 17 18 when you're younger than that there's hardly any talk about making <clears throat> making it in the first team especially at elite level clubs it's about mm. making a career for yourself in football and i think our academy is brilliant at that i think our youth team coaches deserve a lot of credit for the amount of players we produce who don't make it at chelsea but they do make it somewhere else other premier league clubs good level championship clubs you know not the sort of ones that are going up and down from league one i'm talking mid-table championship to fighting for promotion we have a lot of players in the in the, the football pyramid that have come through our academy and gone on to do good things at other clubs but our academy deserves credit for that and then if you do get because realistically elite level clubs like us we're only going to get one or two over the course of maybe a five-year spell unless you have an influx like we have now where you get that anomaly where we've had mount and james hudson adoy abraham all sort of come through at the same time most of the time you get one or two players over the course of five years who will make an appearance in your first team and are good enough to do so it it's not as easy as get a load of good players and that they're going to make your first team because it's just it just doesn't work like that mainly as well because managers these days really they only have a shelf life of three years so are they gonna invest three years in a 17 year old who by the time they leave will probably be really good but he's done nothing for them really in the three years that they was there as manager or they're just going to go and buy someone they're going to go and buy someone but i think uh, as well i do think sometimes we've spoke about social media a lot and how people overreact on social media and you do see some academy players leave chelsea and people go crazy on social media about he's going to be the next this and the next that and and you think well let's see first because to be fair i think i said it before on another part that we haven't had too many academy players who have left the uh, uh actual academy before making any first team appearances have left the academy and then gone on and pulled up trees anywhere else we are very good at identifying the ones who could make an impact in the first team and the ones who can't yeah no i do see your point i mean out of all them right now you'd say that in a way livermento i i, I said this today to someone I, I can see us triggering that buyback clause in the summer straight away i can i'd be yeah, very no, shocked I'd... if we didn't um yeah t- I'd, t- I'd... go on so i just with that though would he want to come back knowing that reese james is there i just I don't know. I don't see Livermore wanting to come back and being second choice because he's not going to get in ahead of Reese James. Yeah. I, think I know. I know, like... I know. It'd be a good squad depth, and it'd be brilliant squad depth, and I really like Livermore. But realistically, you know, Southampton is he's now done there. He's what eighteen, nineteen. He's there now done right back. You know, I and he's still yeah, for I two, three years. Reese James being put into the central role in a, in a back three. I, I disagree. I disagree. Oh. And I, I t- That's I what I can why. see. It doesn't mean I think it's the best move. I just think it's what no, I can see. I don't think that'll be the case because if that was a case, you won't be linked with so many centre-backs over the mm. like, linked with Fair loads. Um, 
So I just feel, and I still believe that Rhys James's best position is right back or wing back, wherever. I don't. Yeah. I think he's wasted at right centre back. Um, and I think Tuchel does know that. I know he's played him a few times up against Vardy and this and that, but I just feel he's better on the right. We don't have so many centre backs. Livermento, if he comes in, won't be first choice. Won't be guaranteed first choice. And at eighteen, nineteen, you want to be first choice at, at a club. You know he's going to go into his twenty soon. You don't want to be on the bench for Chelsea. You want to be starting week in week out. And yeah, it might be his boyhood club, but like I said, you just you need to be starting to develop your career. You need to be starting. Yeah, no, I think. No, well, yeah. sorry, Mikey. I just think I personally, I don't think Livermento's ready to be. If if in your scenario, Mikey, we move Rhys James into right centre back and right, yeah, figure yeah. that buyback clause to bring him in as the starting right wing back, I don't think he's ready. I think mm-hmm. he's had he's had a really good start at Southampton. But you've got to remember the pressure at Southampton and the pressure at Chelsea are two very different things. He can make mistakes playing for Southampton and outside of Southampton, no one's really going to say anything. But you he's the seventh mistakes. highest scoring player in fantasy. <laughs> you <laughs> make, me a lot of good. Like, look at Reese James. Like, eh, look how highly rated Reese James is now. But how many times have we said on here about little mistakes that he's made in games? Because at at Chelsea's level, everything you do wrong is highlighted. Yeah, and that's I think, true. You know, Reese James get like jogging back, and it ends in a goal. Will be highlighted. You wouldn't highlight that about Livermore at Southampton. It also, just, it also though, also though, I'll get your point with that, Chris. That yeah, obviously Reese James is obviously highlighted because he's at Chelsea. But Reese James had a very good season so far, and it, it looks like he's getting better and better. And I yeah. just feel it, if you're Livermore looking like on the outside looking in. You're saying, well, Reese James could potentially be number one starter for England, number one starter for Chelsea. I've got no chance of going in there. And, and you know, I, I can't be as good as him. I, I need to be my own person. I, mean, I can't be his backup. So, yeah. for me, if, if I was Livermento, and even if I was Chelsea, I wouldn't necessarily go for Livermento in the summer. No, I wouldn't. I'd leave him at Southampton for yeah. another year or so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the one in hindsight, I think, we can't comment on Tarek Lamptey because, obviously, injuries sort of hit him a bit. Uh, it'd probably be, probably be Tamori. He's doing really well in Serie A. I know you could say it's Serie A, but he's still doing very well. So yeah, hindsight, it's a bit of a shame I, on that. I kind of think he weren't ready for Chelsea either. I, I, I know that's going to get me probably a lot of backlash, but I, I feel that he was making a lot of mistakes. Not not glaring mistakes, but I felt like positioning he was a bit all over the place. He could be quite rash at times. His defensive abilities was, was unbelievable. I thought on the ball, it could be better. Um, obviously, he was rapid, but I just felt that he was making too many silly mistakes. And I just feel Lampard didn't help the situation. Yeah. Um, and I, I almost feel that Tuchel wouldn't have... You compare Tamori to Rudiger, um, Thiago Silva, Christensen, even as for the Quetta, Tuchel loves them um, because they can play with the ball. Tamori, I don't think he's amazing at playing with the ball. We look at how Tuchel favoured Zuma. He didn't really rate... He obviously rated Zuma, but he didn't play him as much. And I felt like Tamori would have fell under that Zuma bracket of, yes, very good defensively, but on the ball, he doesn't suit our play. So I just don't think it would have fit with Tuchel. I don't think he was ready for Tuchel's plans, if I'm honest. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can sort of see where you, you're coming from with that for sure. And again, with Tamori, he wasn't let go from the academy without being given a chance in the first team. Mm. He got his chance yeah. in the first team. And whether it be Lampard's opinion or other people's opinions, he didn't. He didn't cut it there so now he's been let go it's 
it's a bit like Mark, like Mark Gehe is one that you would probably say he wasn't given his chance at Chelsea. And he, he has, aside from the loans to Swansea, he has really been let go from the academy pro, from the academy straight to Crystal Palace. But he's having a, he's having a good, solid season at Crystal Palace. But do I watch him and think, oh, I wish he still played for us? No, I don't. So I don't think, I, I, I think we have a reputation of being really bad of letting loads of good young players go. And I actually don't think we do. I think it's a misconception that we let all these really good young players go. And we do let talented young players go. Of course we do, because our academy is an elite level academy. So True. we are going to have talented players let go. Doesn't mean our Chelsea quality though. It is a question though, it is a question. What about Declan Rice? I don't think we need to spend that much money on him. No, I mean, I, I disagree. I think he's actually incredible. Uh, 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 no, he's incredible. Honestly, incredible. We, we need uh, centre-backs, though, and that would take such a huge chunk No, I agree. Off, I, agree. I, know, I, know, I know, I know. But what I was saying is that, obviously, he was in our academy. Uh, a okay. very, very young age. A very young age, obviously, and we let him go. But would you say that's one that sort of was a mistake on our part, or where do you stand on that? I think because of his age, it'd be really hard to yeah, even judge yeah. that he was going to become that good. I mean, we've all heard stories of different players like Arsenal had so-and-so on their books for a set time and let them go. You don't really know at that age. It's very difficult, and we know how cutthroat it can be mm. when you're no, developing that's talent. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the, prob- no, the, the problem is that people don't understand with academies is they're given so many young lads and they're all talented otherwise they yeah. wouldn't have it that far so there are going to be a few that you let go that come back to bite you in the ass. but it's about it's almost an acceptance that that's going to happen it's about getting more right than you do wrong and i think we that's what we do well yeah no i think that's very true i mean we make a huge profit each almost each season from our sales and a lot of them are academy players and we've done really well and you I know it's obviously at the time it was um, a bit of a no choice for Lampard to bring these in because our transfer ban. But, you know, they're all talented players that are key and around the England side as well now. So it'll be very interesting. It will be a very, I mean, as well, you could say that Tor Andre Flo leaving as loan player technical coach. How is that going to impact the loan sort of system we have? I know there's also yeah. some FIFA rulings coming in, which are obviously going to be even more crucial. Just be curious how it all works out. Yeah, really well. Uh, on that. Um, we'll do a preview ahead of our game against Leicester. It, it's a lunchtime kickoff here in the UK at the King Palace. Injury news. Well, I actually watched this press conference. It was really exciting. They're not. Um, Kovacic and Lukaku are both out. Thiago Silva is a doubt. Mason Mount will be in the squad, as will Christian Pulisic. Timo Werner will be a game day decision. So that's your actually squad news. Uh, we're top, as we know. Um, Leicester sitting 12th. They haven't kept a clean sheet since game week one against Wolves, so they're destined to get one now. What, what do you think going into this game? Um, I don't know. It's a difficult one because obviously Leicester aren't in form. Um, they're not the Leicester of last season anyway, but you just feel that they'll get result. And I don't know why, I just feel that they will get result against us. Um, I think Lukaku will be a big miss, and like he has been in previous games. Um, I think Pudisic, I think we need a bit of pace. Um, so I think Pudisic or Werner, if he's fit enough to, should start because Leicester play a high line as well. Um, I'm guessing Havertz will start and I'm hoping Mount will start as well. Um, I think Kovacic will be a big miss as well because I think he's been back to his old self this season. I think the way he's carried the ball and his, his final ball has actually been really good this season as well. So it'll be a big miss. But 
Look, if you, if you want to win the league, going to the King Power and getting three points there, that is a massive, massive performance. I don't care how out of form Leicester are. If if you go there and get a one nil or, or whatever or a two one, whatever it is, if you do that, then that is a big win. But I'm I'm thinking Leicester are going to nick it one nil or something like that. To be honest. Oof. Well, what are you thinking, Chris, on this one? Uh, I'm not overly confident because. I don't think we've played well after any of the international breaks. I think it being a lunchtime kickoff is a major issue as well. I've always said, not just for Chelsea, I don't think there should be a lunchtime kickoff after an international break. I think it's really unfair to the teams that are playing at lunchtime when their players haven't come back until Thursday afternoon or Friday morning. I think that's a real unfair advantage to the other teams in the league. Mm. It's... yeah. I, I honestly don't know. My concern is, I watched the Arsenal-Leicester game when Arsenal, I mean, and this is Arsenal, who, let's face it, nobody rates. They beat Leicester at the King Power. But Leicester had so many chances in that game. It's not like Arsenal dominated the game and won it comfortably. Leicester wasn't a walkover. They play with high energy, which I don't know whether we'll be able to match after the internationals. Mm. I think, if you offered me a draw, I think I'd take it. I We've think got going some... to Leicester at lunchtime on a, after an international break, I don't think a draw would be a terrible result. And I think with the players we've still got missing, I would take the draw, I think. We've got some tough fixtures coming up because obviously we've got Juventus at, at the bridge on Tuesday. Then we've got Man United, uh, Watford. I thought you said tough. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> we don't know if they might have a new manager bounce. You never know with that. Might be facing Sorry. Rogers back to back. Very true, um, very true. And then as we enter Christmas time, we've got West Ham. So that it's they're not mm. you just go, Oh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough one. I'm hoping for a nice two nil. Uh, I we, we don't often concede, so naturally we're gonna concede. But we'll have to see. Fingers crossed on that one. Um before we sign off, it's time to find out who is that former blue. At the start, I said he's a full England international with over thirty caps to his name. He was in the PFA 2012-2013 championship team of the season. And then he played in the Premier League for five different clubs and two different championship clubs. I do have my extra clues here, but Berth wants to ask a question. No, no, no. I'm way off. I'm way off. You, you just tell me your extra clues. I'll, right. Name, he was also in the PFA 0102 Premier League team of the season. I'm not going to say the team because I think that'll give it away. Um, he has been a contestant on two reality shows. One being I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Ah, I think ah. I know. I think. Um, he won the first ever season of SAS Who Dares Wins on the UK Channel Channel 4. I mean, I've, I've never watched that in my life, but I think I might know I it Okay, I, I've got, I'm, I'm guessing, give me the initials first. Is it WB? Right. The last clue I put was, he rightly so refused to shake John Terry's hand. Yes. Uh, so yes. yeah, Berth got this. Yes. Any listeners were going who? As soon as I said that, you're like, oh, oh yeah, we know who he is. Yeah, it, of course, it's left back, and he was an incredible player for Southampton. He was decent for us as well. And, hey, and then, that goal he scored against Arsenal in the oh, yes. quarterfinals, well, wow. uh, iconic. That is actually truly iconic. Of course, it is Wayne Bridge, and yeah, an underrated player in his career, considering how he started as well. Very underrated player, actually, Wayne Bridge. Always loved Wayne Bridge. Yeah, top, top solid um, player he was. 
So, so with that, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you do not already follow us. And you can find us by searching for At, at The Bridge Pod. Um, yeah, that's really us. Till Monday, we are back. We've got the uh, Leicester game to review. So that's hopefully going to be a, a three points for us. So till then, that is us signing off.